What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you'll get all of our updates throughout the season, podcasts, articles, updates to our draft guide, any news and notes or polls, all of our baseball content, essentially, you guys can find over there at EthosFantasyBB. And if you're not somebody who uses social media, please do go to SportsEthos.com. You'll get everything there right from the source. Now, we just finished up a great week last week, which concluded with our 500th episode of the show. If you've missed it, go back and check that one out. I was joined by Eno Saris and Nick Pollock to talk about 10 pitchers that we rank very differently between the three of us. It was one of the best shows we've done on the show here before. Obviously, we don't usually have the likes of Nick and Eno around. It was a special episode, so make sure you guys are checking that one out. Uh, It really helped me in my own pitching evaluation uh, for this season. Helped me tinker with a couple things in my rankings as well. Gave me a couple of guys to be targeting and to be avoiding. And and guys that I just kind of changed my opinion on a little bit after hearing Eno and Nick talk about them. So make sure you guys are checking out that show. And also go back and check out a lot of the other stuff we've been doing. I know there's a lot of people who have just been finding the show recently. If you're new here, welcome. Go back and check out some of our team previews. Last week we did the Mariners, the Yankees, the Athletics, and the Rockies. Actually, the Rockies might be the week before. But we've been doing a ton of team previews. And this week we have a few of them planned for you guys as well. Just give you a a little uh, schedule before we get going here. Tomorrow, I'm going to be recording two team previews, the Royals and the Brewers. Thursday, we are doing the White Sox, and there's a couple other teams that I'm still fitting in there schedule-wise. The Tigers, the Mets, and the Pirates we're also going to be doing over the next week or so. We're going to get through all 30 teams before the season starts. Most of them will be with guests. I'll do the odd one on my own, uh, but a lot of fun stuff we've been doing over the last few months. We've also reviewed every single position. We are going to be previewing them in March as well, but we did a a whole look around the entire fantasy baseball world this offseason. If you're somebody who's new to the podcast and, you know, football ending yesterday, you might be just checking out fantasy baseball podcasts for the first time this year. Go back and check out what we've done because we have done a show every single day of the offseason so far. But today we are going to catch up on some news that has come out over the last few days, stuff that came out over the weekend or maybe even at the end of last week that we might have missed. We're going to start off with a rather frustrating one. This does happen every year, so you got to kind of just control how much you let it affect you. But Walker Bueller is without a firm timetable to return from his Tommy John surgery. Dave Roberts said Saturday that Bueller remains without a firm timetable for a return. And he said, uh, in quotes, there's a progression that needs to be in place and is in place. Once he passes all those markers, he'll be ready to go. I just don't know when that's going to be. So this is... uh, really strange situation with Walker Bueller because if you guys remember at the end of last season he was supposed to come back he was supposed to be there down the stretch for the last couple starts in September and then be a part of the postseason rotation but that didn't end up happening I can't remember exactly what it was I think there was some kind of setback and they just didn't want to push him exactly whatever but that was a long time ago now we're talking September it is now middle of February I figured this offseason he'd be fully ready to go that's I guess all of our mistakes for not reading into this more, I guess, but I think you can't really blame the average person too much. I I focus on this stuff way too much. I am all over fantasy baseball, Twitter and all over the news cycle. And I missed that Bueller was going to be delayed coming into the season because partly they dropped it on Christmas Eve or Christmas day or Christmas Eve is when they released that news. So it kind of got lost behind. 
I drafted Walker Bueller in one of my leagues as my second starting pitcher. I have Logan Webb as my number one in that league, and I have Walker Bueller as the number two. So that team's looking shit out of luck right now. I don't know what to expect from Walker Bueller. I know that as of right now, you got to be pushing him down where he's getting drafted because it was already getting kind of expensive before we knew this news. Now it's just, you know, it's crazy to pay the price that you currently are paying, which is 116 on Walker Bueller. And I got to set the filters actually because that was using all drafts. But if we are just looking at January onward, I mean, it's not much different. 118 is where you're seeing Walker Bueller get taken. Just inside the last couple months, there was a draft where he went 47th overall. In fact, it was January 24th. It was a draft where Walker Bueller went 47th overall. So I don't think that everybody is fully aware that he's not going to be starting the season. I'm sure that most people are at this point. But it's definitely not something that was publicized a lot when that announcement was first made. And now over the last couple of weeks, people are still drafting him in like the 110s, the 120s. It's too risky at this point without knowing anything with Walker Bueller to draft him, I think, kind of at all right now. You know, you're drafting teams at this point of the year. Everybody looks healthy. And then we're going to start to get news more and more of the like of Bueller as spring training starts. And, you know, this guy pulled something. This guy's going to be delayed. His knees hurt, whatever. Those are going to start piling up on you. To add a player to your team or to draft a player on your team who's already starting the year without a timeline is kind of worrisome. It's a little bit too risky for me. Now, if he starts going way, way, way down, obviously there is a price is right for every single player. He went in one draft at pick 240, and this was February the 4th. Actually, excuse me, the latest he went is 281 if you're looking back since January 1st. So at, at pick 281... I will take a chance on Walker Bueller in a 12-team league. You're looking at like your last pick, probably uh, 15-team league. It's like the 19th round or so. It's not a lot to invest at that point. Where you're paying right now is like a seventh rounder. And I mean, at that, I could justify it if we knew he was going to be healthy. You know, people will say, "Oh, well, he wasn't great before he got hurt in 2022. Like he was injured. You know, like I'm, I'm at least have to believe that he was injured, and that's why he wasn't performing up to scratch." Walker Bueller has been a dominant pitcher when he's been healthy his entire career. If he was going to be healthy, then I wouldn't have any problem taking him in round seven, round six, even round five, probably. But without a timeline, I think we have to bump him down the rankings. Quite substantially, honestly, like in my own personal pitching rankings, I haven't moved him manually yet. I haven't actually gone in there and moved Walker Bueller down, which I probably should. Um, He's going to be going down. And I think where I'm going to probably settle on him is like the 40s. I think that I'm going to have Walker Bueller somewhere just looking at it in my like Nick Pavetta range, Nestor Cortez, Taj Bradley type. I think that's where I, I'm going to generally have him. And that might be not giving him enough credit. That might be giving him too much credit. I think at this point in time, we just don't have enough information. Like, is this timetable? Like they say, there's no timetable, but what does that mean? Does that mean likely April? Does that mean the middle of summer? Does that mean we might lose another whole season? Like, I don't expect that. But when you say no timetable, you do give people a bit of pause. You have no idea what that means. I have no clue if he's going to pitch in spring training at all, if he's going to make the first trip out with them. I believe it's to is it Korea? Is it South Korea where they're playing? Uh, the week before the season starts, I have, I have no idea what to make of Walker Bueller. But I think at this point, he's a pretty easy fade for me, especially if he's still going in the 100 range, anywhere in the 100s. I mean, I guess you could argue 180, 190 at that point. You could maybe take a chance. But I think there's a lot of risk with Walker Bueller that you don't necessarily need to take. Like where he's going 
especially right now, and of course, like ADP is is changing a little bit. If I just go based on February drafts, then Walker Bueller does go down some, but he's still at one fifty one. That's that's expensive, you know. That whatever league you're playing in, it doesn't sound that expensive. But one fifty one, there are still a lot of great players on the board there right now. If you're taking him there, you're taking him over the likes of. Hunter Green, Pavetta, Jose Barrios, Hunter Brown, who you guys know I love, Brian Wu, Bryce Miller. There's a lot of great names in that range, and even just a couple rounds before, it's Bassett, it's Verlander, it's Sonny Gray, it's Jordan Montgomery. There's a lot of security in that range that you're not getting as much with Walker Bueller at this point. We may end up looking foolish. He might be you know, there the second week of April, and he's back to old Walker Bueller, and it's like, well, he was worthy of a top 100 pick all along. That's that's absolutely in the range of outcomes, but again, do I want to be taking a chance on signing somebody or drafting somebody who is injured going into the season? I just don't want to be doing that at this point unless the price really, truly comes down substantially, and at this point, it looks like he's going to go down a few rounds, but not enough to make me super in. So the one share that I have of Walker Bueller, which is a gladiator draft, which is just lovely, you know, where you need you need all hands on deck all season. That's going to be my only share of Walker Bueller, assuming that you know he's still going generally where he is going, and I don't think it'll it'll come down enough <clears throat> to make me truly interested there. Let's move on and talk about Yasmani Grandal, who I did not think we'd be talking about this offseason, but he signed with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and there is a reason why we're going to have to talk about him here. And it more so isn't because of him, but it affects somebody else, and that's Henry Davis. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, we'll get to that in a second. Yasmani Grandal, at this point of his career, I, I saw some people tweeting stuff out like, from 2015 to 2019, Grandal did this. It's like, well, come on. Like, it's 2024. He's 35 years old. The last couple seasons, we've seen him not stay on the field as much as we probably would have wanted. Although, 118 games this past season, it's kind of hard to to argue with that for a catcher. But you're looking at 99, 93. Um, you know, it's, it's not a great trajectory in terms of the playing time. Somebody who was routinely a 130 to 150. In 2019, he played 153 games. You know, So when people reference those stats from those years, the war accumulated... He was a volume guy. Like he was a volume guy who was hitting for power, decent average behind the plate. Now you get like none of that security. You don't get a massive playing time security in Pittsburgh. I think that he'll probably be the starting catcher, but I don't know how long it's going to take them to actually make the move to Henry Davis. So they've talked already about how Henry Davis is going to be at some point used as a catcher this year. He's going to be, and this is what people have been doing. A lot of people have been drafting Henry Davis because he is going to gain catcher eligibility. It's kind of a sneaky play because he's not catcher eligible yet, but this is probably going to mean it takes longer for Davis to get that eligibility. And there's also a world where potentially it it takes like half the year. You know, uh, at this point, people are still projecting Davis to, probably be the catcher on opening day but that I mean that hasn't changed or excuse me the roster resource MLB playing time the sites that I use I don't know if they've actually updated the playing time since the signing happened it happened just last night um but I mean roster resource still thinks it'll be Davis as the starting catcher and Grandel on the bench I think it's possible but I also see a, a scenario where Grandel is at the very least starting the season as a catcher and taking away some at-bats from Davis. And it might not be enough that it's that substantial, but it is something to mention because it'll probably take longer until Davis is going to be able to get that eligibility, specifically on sites that have a higher threshold. If it's 10 or 15 or 20 games versus five, 
that might take two or three months for Henry Davis. So he is the guy that they're going to go to. He is, he's their catcher of the future. Uh, he's a switch hitter. He can play first base. He can play the outfield. Like, he can do a lot. But, um, excuse me, that's that's Diaz-Manny Grandal. I'm mixing up my players. Grandal is a switch hitter. He can play first base. He, he can kind of do a few different things. Davis can play the outfield. He can catch. So they have some versatility here. They can move players around a little bit depending on what they're seeing in spring. At this point, I I don't feel as confident drafting Henry Davis as I did a couple of weeks ago. And people were drafting him over the course of this weekend. Uh, you know, doing the the Earth League drafts this weekend, and he was taken, and he should be taken. But I think at this point, your confidence level has to go down a little bit. I thought you know, wheels up, we're going to see him as the catcher from pretty much opening day. Now that might be in jeopardy a little bit. And considering he's going to pick two thirty seven. You know, generally in that kind of range, 230, 240. I think it's a bit too risky for me with Henry Davis, uh, especially in your one-catcher leagues. There, there's no need to be taking him, right? You can take, you know, you're in a 12-team one-catcher league, even if it's a 15-team one-catcher league. Some people might be kind of cheeky about it and say, you know what, I can take Davis. No one's really going to pay attention. He's going to get catcher eligibility. I don't have to take a catcher. But, you know, if you're playing in a 12-team league, the guys that are like 9 10, 11, 12, you're looking at like Cal Raleigh, Sean Murphy, Logan O'Hoppy, Bo Naylor. Like they're really good, solid names where Davis now has a bit of a bump in front of him. Now, I don't think Grandall is going to be like playing 120 games, taking away all the playing time, but it definitely makes Davis less appealing. However much you want to take off of his playing time, whether it's 5% or 25%, he's less appealing than he was yesterday, even if it's solely for the fact that it will take a little bit longer probably for him to get that eligibility. If before he was going to catch five times a week, now it might be three or two. So, uh, you know, it's not uh, end of the world situation if you drafted Henry Davis. I've drafted Henry Davis a couple times, but I just think that we need to kind of be careful here thinking like he's still the opening day catcher. As much as Grandall is probably not going to be a massive factor, I think he's going to eat into the playing time more than we'd probably like. So at this point, I think I'm probably not taking Henry Davis where he's going, which is about 230, 240 range. I could be wrong. Uh, and, you know, likely over the course of the season, Davis will be fine. But this is going to be something that does affect your teams a little bit in April and May. Let's talk Brandon Marsh. Brandon Marsh is kind of one that we haven't talked about so much this offseason. He's an interesting player. Um, you know, he's a starter. He's at least a strong side platoon guy for a very good offense. And he's been drafted, you know, Pretty expensively. It depends on your league. It depends on your format. But generally, Brandon Marsh is going at like 300. They're about uh, 330 to 340 kind of range. Now, the news we got on him a couple days ago was that he's going to be out up to four weeks after he had left knee arthroscopic debridement surgery. That's to be fancy about it. It's knee surgery, left knee surgery in Philadelphia. This was a couple days ago. Now, the Phillies official Twitter account reported... It's anticipated he'll be returning to play at three to four weeks and be ready to play by opening day. Again, it's a kind of a tricky situation when there's a guy who you know is hurt right now. And if you're drafting him, where he's going, he's probably not a starter for you. I mean, he might be in a 15-team league. He might be like your, your last outfielder. But it still has to give you some pause when you're drafting a guy who, first of all, I don't know if it was a – a guaranteed thing that he's going to be an everyday player. I think he's a, probably a strong side platoon in Philadelphia, which is still really good. 
Um, but you are giving away some at-bats just off the top because he's not going to play as much against lefties. Now we have the potential for him to be hurt going into the season. And they say he's going to be ready for opening day, but you never know. And you never know what that performance is going to look like without spring training. Brandon Marsh is not a superstar by any means. He's the type of guy where I'd kind of like him to get some some reps in spring training, and it looks like he may miss out on that. Four weeks from right now, you're looking at like March 12th. He could still get into some spring games. He could still be ready for opening day. And I overall don't have a, a ton of worry here, but I got to move him down a little bit. You know, it's a knee problem. He's somebody where he is going to rely on a high BABIP and some stolen bases. The BABIP for his career is 384. And in the three seasons, you know, 70 games, 134, 133, you're looking at BABIPs of 403, 360, and 397. He's also been double digit steals each of the last two seasons. So knee surgery is not ideal. He's also a very good defender. Is this going to affect his defense? I don't know, but if it does affect his defense, then that could in turn lead to fewer at-bats. Again, I might be reading too much into this, but I don't love it when there's a guy who's, you know, one of his main assets is his legs, has to deal with knee surgery. There's a few problems, you know, the platoon aspect, everything. But I think, uh, you know, it's going to make me push Brandon Marsh down to the point where if I'm drafting him, it's not as a starter. At the, the Where he's going right now, he is still, you know, five-team league, five-team league, five-outfielder league, he is still a starting level player based on where he's being drafted as your fourth or fifth outfielder. At this point right now, I wouldn't feel confident taking him as my starter, even if it's a fifth outfielder. People say, ah, fifth outfielder, second catcher. It doesn't really matter so much. It does. And I think that you just, even if you push him down a few rounds, that will put him into the range of reserve, first couple reserve rounds, or maybe you're drafting him in the top 23 rounds, but you don't want to start him the first couple of weeks of the season. Like it just adds another layer of complexity to his value for me. It doesn't make me want to draft him. Uh, you know, and again, they say he's gonna be ready for opening day. So I could be reading too much into this, but one small setback, one small thing, and you're looking at middle of April. And, you know, we, we know how this works when players are injured at this point of the year, I'm trying not to draft anybody who's hurt that I know is hurt. Of course, you know, you're going to draft players who are going to get hurt, but you got to try and minimize that as much as possible, specifically in a draft and hold format where these guys are on your rosters the whole season. You can't drop them. You can't churn and burn if a guy does get hurt and has to miss the whole year. You know, if you do take Marsh now and this ends up getting worse, again, it's total conjecture. I don't know if it'll get worse or not, but if it does, then you got to be stuck with him the whole year and you invested a pick in the first half of your draft on him. It's just, It probably isn't going to get to that, but there's a chance. And I don't want that chance right now, especially considering Brandon Marsh is not, you know, a superstar. He's best case scenario, probably 12 homers, 12 stolen bases. You know, that's generally what the projections are. 12 and 12, 13 and 12, 12 and 10 with about a 250, 260 batting average. It's not like he's going to be some player I have a massive fear of missing out on. He's just kind of an all right fill in at the back of your outfield who at this point is more suited for the reserve rounds, in my opinion. Still a fine player, but I'm a little bit worried about what we're going to see. Let's talk Junior Caminero. This one is just from today, and this one is a little bit concerning, especially if you have drafted Junior Caminero. Now, Mark Topkin, who is a reporter for the Tampa Bay Times, he is probably the go-to source for all things Tampa Bay Rays. He's saying that it's unlikely Junior Caminero is going to make the opening day roster. That's a big whoops for everybody who has been drafted him I mean you you can't really do anything about it but he's been going as high as pick 180 his ADP is 235 if he's not starting the year in the majors that's a big fart noise right there that's 
really, really shitty for anybody who took him at that spot. Now, how long he would potentially stay down for, I don't really know. Uh, I don't know exactly what the plan is here, but it does make sense, right? He played seven games in the big leagues last year. He looked fine, but he's never played in AAA. He's only played 81 games above high A. Like we're talking about, or I guess 88 games above high A, and he's only 20 years old. So there's no real need to rush him. I don't really have a problem with it at all from a development standpoint. I, I, I mean, you could let him play in the majors and try to work it out or let him fine-tune a little more in AAA. At 20 years old, I'd say just you know give him a bit of time. It just affects us because this is potentially going to impact Rookie of the Year. Um, he was my early, early, early pick for Rookie of the Year at this point. I'm not sure if he's going to accumulate enough time for that. Now, we'll have to see what the Rays do. The Rays are not a team where you can really ever predict what they're going to do in any sense of anything. Uh, who's going to start this game? Who's going to pinch hit? Who's going to defensive replace this guy? Whatever. When's the starter going to get pulled? There's no rhyme or reason with a lot of the stuff. At least no external rhyme or reason. It just looks like a lot of random number generation that ends up being 95-win teams to their credit. So I think that we kind of just have to you know, take it easy with Caminero. People were saying online, buy the dip. Some people are also saying, stay the hell away at this point. I'm kind of somewhere in between. It depends what that dip looks like. If Junior Caminero ends up going past pick 350, then I'm okay with it. You know, at that point, it's not as much of an investment. You drop seven, eight rounds off of that current price, which is already not egregious. It's outside the top 200. It's not as though it's like an Anthony Volpe from last year where he's going at pick 65 or something ridiculous. It's a more reasonable price for sure. But I still think when you're drafting somebody with an unsure role, if it's injury, that's kind of the the main theme of today is we're not sure about roles and timing. And when you're not sure, sometimes that can lead to a buying opportunity because the market's just unsure about somebody. But a lot of the time, it just means you should probably stay away. Walker Bueller has no timeline, probably should stay away. Grandall is going to be muddying up the playing time for the Pirates catcher situation, and it might be more of a platoon. Well, it's the Pirates, it's the catcher, and they're a shitty team anyway, so maybe I shouldn't be worried about my C2 at-bats for the Pirates. You know, just figure it out from somewhere else. Brandon Marsh is hurt. He's not an elite player to begin with. Therefore, you know, you probably have to put him in more of the avoid basket or at least avoid at cost. And the same thing with Caminero. Caminero is somebody who, if he gets a full season worth of at-bats, even as of today, he's probably a 20 home run, 5-7 to steal guy with a good batting average. But it doesn't help us if he's in the minors, and that's what it looks like it's going to be for at least the first couple of months of the season. So I have no problem at all fading Junior Caminero at this point. As much as I, I predicted him for Rookie of the Year very early on, I think he's going to be excellent. But if he's not in the majors, it doesn't matter. You know, as shitty as that sounds, as basic as that sounds, I don't think it'll be like a long time he has to wait down to come up. But again, we don't know. And when he's going in the same range as guys like Ryan Mountcastle, he's going ahead of Ryan Mountcastle. He's going ahead of Luis Renjifo. He's going ahead of Jack Sawinski, Taj, uh, Taj Bradley, Robert Stevenson, Carlos Correa, Jorge Polanco, Gavin Lux, Justin Turner. I could go on and on and on, but all those guys that I mentioned are secure in their roles. They are going to have... Maybe not full-time at-bats. They're not going to play 160 games, but 130, 140-ish games out of a lot of those guys versus Caminero, who has only seven games at the big league level, and we may not see him until the summer anyway. So he's got to be in a void unless you're really ballsy, unless you've taken an incredibly safe team up to that point and you're able to get him a couple rounds discounted because that'll happen now. He'll, he'll go down a couple rounds. And let's say you're getting around 23 or 24 Caminero after you already have a really safe team. I'm fine with it. 
but I just think you got to kind of pump the brakes on your expectations for him, you know, for pretty much any guy with this amount of major league experience, but especially one where we don't know where he's going to be starting the year. He could have a hot spring and play himself onto the roster, but right now I'm going to have to defer to Mark Topkin because he is the expert on all things Tampa Rays. So that'll do it for us today. Again, uh, go back and check out all of the episodes we've done this offseason. If you are new, probably not going to listen to every single one of them, but we've had a lot of great guests on. We've been doing team previews. We've done position previews, and we are starting to get into some real fun. So we did some starting pitcher rankings last week with Eno and Nick. We've done some ADP battles. We got another one in the works, an ADP battle that I am still getting all the fine-tuning behind the planning, but we're going to have a few more of those. We'll do some more mock drafts. It's going to be nonstop fun here until the end of the season. And then, of course, we just keep going because we go all through the offseason as well. But if you've got any questions, reach out on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy BB. That's where you'll get all of our new updates and podcasts this season. If you're not somebody who is on social media, please go to sportsethos.com and you'll get everything right there from the source. Guys, tomorrow we got a couple team previews lined up, and I'm excited for them. Kansas City and Milwaukee. KC is out tomorrow. Milwaukee will be out Wednesday. But until then, guys, take care. We will see you tomorrow.